0: So, this is acts eight twenty six through forty. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, "Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place." And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of Ethiopia, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the scripture, he told the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself in Azotus, and as he passed through through and preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Let's pray. God, we just want to thank you for letting us be here today, God. Uh, We love you. We want to learn more about you. Um, Just help us to understand uh, Philip and his boldness. Um, Help your word dwell in us, God. Um, Help us to just be walking alongside each other like Philip walked alongside the eunuch. Um, And we just pray that we can have open minds and open hearts, God, um, as we hear your word today. Amen.
1: All right, Doxa. Well, guys, as always, it's... It's great to be together today. If you're new or visiting, my name is Rob. I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. It's, it's great to have you here, part of our, our family gathering today. Guys, uh, we have an exciting morning today. We're, we're getting into, you just heard a, a really exciting text. I mean, probably as we've been going through the book of Acts, it's probably one of my, my favorite texts. We're gonna look at that. But in addition to that, guys, um, we get to celebrate and send off um, one of our very own Doxa members today to really the other side of the world. And as we do this, guys, here's what's going to happen. This is going to this this send off is basically a direct application to what we're going to learn today in Acts chapter eight. And I and I love the way that this all came together. But but as we get into this, guys, let me let me start here. All right, um, we know that the book of Acts is is a is the second work of a, of a two-part work written by a man named Luke, who was a historian, he was a physician. And he writes the, the Gospel of Luke, which is all about the, the birth, the, the life, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. But then he he writes the sequel to the book of, of or the Gospel of Luke, which is the book of Acts. And, and the book of Acts is really just a, a history book of, of telling us what happened in the world after. Jesus was killed and resurrected and ascended into heaven, and he focuses in on really just the the birth of the church and the spread of the gospel. But in Luke's gospel, guys, in in the opening chapters, in chapter 2, okay, in verse 11, it's going to come up here on the screen. This is where I want to start today. Luke says this, all right? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and you're hearing this, and if you've been around the church, if you've been to church on Christmas, you know this is the, the classic text for the Christmas season as it points to the incarnation and it points to the, the birth of Jesus. But I want us to see something, and, and I want us to, to hone in on something very specific about Jesus that Luke identifies here. All right, he identifies Jesus. He, he shows Jesus' identity as, Jesus is many things, but he's Savior, all right, and this this little word, this this little title of of Savior, it tells us so much of who Jesus is. But not just that, guys. Hear this: the place that we are all in. All right, and I'll, and I'll put it like this. Okay, I have I have two kids. My son Titus. Uh, little three-year-old, three-and-a-half-year-old, okay, um, he loves to pretend that he's rescuing people, all right? He's in this phase where he loves to pretend to rescue his sister, Lily. And the, and the way that this usually plays out is, is something like this. Like, Titus comes up to me, and he's all excited. He's like, Daddy, go grab Lily. And he's smiling. And I'm like, okay, I'll go grab Lily. Lily, come here. And I, I grab her. I put her in a bear hug. And she po- totally plays along with this. And as soon as I, like, put her in a bear hug, she's like, oh, Titus, help me, save me, right? Just like totally dramatic, okay? I don't know where she gets it from, Lisa, but, um, <laughs> but she does this and she's like, help me, help me, right? And, and Titus, he goes from this smile to like he kicks into like street fighter mode, okay? Like he's just just like, Right, and just gets this scowl. He's like little, a miniature Liam Nielsen and Taken, right? He's just like, and then he just runs across the room and just like bulldozes me and just tries to fight. But okay, obviously, like quickly he realizes I'm outmatched, okay? Dad is a little bit bigger than me, right? But that doesn't stop him, all right? I don't know where he gets this, but he fights dirty, all right? He, his latest thing is he's learned like an eye gouge with the, th- with the thumb and he's just like in there. And I'm just like, what are you doing? Because guys, he, he loves to pretend to be in a rescue story and to save his sister. And the truth is, guys, we, we all love a good rescue story. You know, from the, from the movies that we, we love to watch that make it big, from the news reports that we, we all love to hear because they make us feel good, guys, we, we love seeing and hearing the rescue of, like, afflicted, hurting and helpless people because here's what i'll tell you i want you to know that this is the story of the bible the bible is about a rescue mission that if you read the bible from the very first book of the bible if you open up to genesis right genesis literally means the book of origins where we get the origins of the world and god who created it from the opening chapter of the Bible, we see that we have this God who created everything and it was good, it was perfect, there was no brokenness, there was nothing bad in the world, and He see the pinnacle of his creation, he creates humanity, you and I, in his image, and we're here with God. It's this perfect unity, this perfect relationship between God the creator and humanity the created that he loves. We see this, this perfect creation, it's, it's somewhat short-lived. In Genesis chapter 3, we see that sin enters the world. Right, Sin is just anything and everything that's in opposition to who God is and what God says. And humanity turns their back on God. And we rebel against him. And sin enters into the human story. And sin, the very nature of sin, it just, sin separates us. It separates us from God and it separates us from each other. And this is where humanity is without the intervention of God. Separation. And if this goes on forever and it's never mediated, it's never reconciled, this is where we get into the terrible conscious reality of hell, which is just eternal separation from God. But God, being a, a loving creator, a, a powerful father, he enters into human history as the man Jesus. He lives a life that we couldn't live, a life without sin. He dies a death that we should have died, the death and the debt for sin. And he gives us, through faith, the thing that we could never accomplish on our own. Reconciliation, reconnection, forgiveness, and salvation through Jesus. Because this is the gospel. This is the story of the entire Bible. And the fact that Luke introduces us to Jesus as Savior, guys, this is what we're supposed to understand as we get into the book of Acts. We just need to know this, that the activity of God in our world today, the mission of God, the heart of God, the love of God in action, hear this, it's to save and rescue the people that he loves. And if you're a Christian today, this is your story. Because that God has pursued you, he's fought for you, and he's rescued you, and he's saved you. And even if you're sitting here and, and you're not a Christian, guys, this is what God is doing in your life today, that he's pursuing you. He's going through great lengths to help you to see him, to show himself to you, to show who he, you are in his eyes, to show how much he loves you. He's preparing you for a rescue to bring you into the family of God. And this is what we see in Acts chapter 8 today. That today we we get to see God, the one who has been saving and rescuing great crowds of people throughout our study of Acts. And while he loves crowds, as we've seen him, like we're, we're eight chapters into this study, right? And we've seen him save thousands of people up until this point. Today something different kind of happens. It goes it goes from this this crowd, this wide angle panoramic lens of seeing these thousands of people, and the camera just kind of comes and zooms in on one guy. You know why this happens? Guys, listen to this. God doesn't just love numbers. He doesn't just love crowds. He loves faces. He loves individuals. He loves you. That God loves you. Someone in here needs to hear that for the first time. Someone in here needs to be reminded of this, that God loves you. And he's got a plan for you. He's got a plan to seek you, to serve you, and to save you. And it's not because you're great, but it's because he's great. And so Acts chapter 8, verse 26 Because every time we come to the scriptures, we have to ask questions. And the question we have is this, guys. What are we to take from what we just heard? And and here's what I'll tell you we get this beautiful picture of God's rescue mission. And here's how we're going to approach understanding this test. As we look at this text, there are essentially three primary elements to God's rescue that we're going to consider. First, we're going to see God's preparation for a rescue. Then we're going to see Philip's presentation of the rescue. And then finally, the eunuch's response for the rescue. And so first, God's preparation for a rescue. Look back to verse 26. Here's what we see. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to a road that goes down from Jerusalem to to Gaza. This is a desert place, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. So to really wrap our minds what's going on here and, how, and to see how God prepares people to receive his rescue, guys, we need to look at the four characters in this account. And as we get to know and see these, these four characters, you're going to see the great lengths that God goes through to rescue and save one single person. Because as we get into this, this is your story. This is what God has done for you. Or this is what's currently going on in your life and what God is up to today in your life. And so first, we, we see an angel shows up on the scene. Right? And, and maybe when you, you read this, you, you hear about the angel. And, and this just causes you to really just kind of stop and just ask a bunch of questions. I mean, like, okay, well, what's an angel? Like, where did he come from? Because all of a sudden, this like, angel shows up, and it's just, then it goes on and, and moves on. And so there's, maybe you're having, like, all these questions. But I, I just want to say this. We need to understand that that angels are, are real and they're they're active, and not, and not just in Bible times, but in our lives today. And I'm not going to get into this too much, but I, but I will say this: it's it's fascinating and interesting to me that in our world, that if you if you trace like kind of religious history back, even just not too far ago, like in the 70s and 80s, the, with the introduction of like New Ageism and, and it's kind of the the arise the rise of the occult like we live in a, in a culture that's, that's very much fascinated with spirituality and angels and demons. And, and you just need to know because there's, there's different types, right? There's, there's good, godly, holy angels that have their purposes of God. They're all about God and his glory. But then there's also fallen angels, which are just demons. They're, they're prideful. They're evil. This is Satan. Satan. They hate God, they, they hate us, and, and this is why. The only reason I say this is because in a, in a city like that we live in, in a culture that we live in, you meet tons of people that are very spiritual. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're godly. And we can pursue after the wrong spiritual things, and, and people who, who worship angels. This is why in 1 John it says to test the spirits, because not all spiritual beings are good. It's very dangerous to mess around with the occult. This is why the Bible warns us of this. But here what we see, and we see this angel shows up. This is a good, godly, holy angel. Hebrews 1.14 tells us that, that angels are just ministering spirits that are, that are sent out to serve for the sake of those who are receiving salvation. And the reality is, is that all of us, guys, all the time, are experiencing and being touched by the ministry of angels, even though we might not see them. And, and some of you, you've, you've met angels and you, you didn't even know it. Because their goal is not to, to draw attention to themselves, but to, to draw attention to God. We see this truth in Hebrews chapter 13. But an angel is, is really just a messenger, all right? a minister that God uses to help us, to protect us, to guide us, and to show us truth. Ultimately, God uses his angels for his perfect plan, for his perfect purposes, for his glory. But here's the point. God uses this angel to, to show up and to, to guide Philip in a new way to hear this. Prepare for the rescue of God for a person that he loves. And this leads to the second character, Philip, all right? And we first met Philip in Acts chapter 6. If you remember this, in verse 3, it says that he's a deacon. He was appointed to be a servant in the church, and it said of him that he was filled with the Spirit. He was full of the Spirit. And so Philip is, is just really a, he's a godly guy. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. He loves Jesus. An angel comes to him and says, essentially, this is what he's saying. I need you to go to the middle of nowhere. That's what he says. And we just need to know that, that the road from Jerusalem to, to Gaza is a, is a very dangerous road. It's a, it's a desert road, as Gaza is a, is a city where the, of the Philistines. And, and the Philistines were some of the fiercest enemies of the Jews. And so this command by the angel to go south, it likely didn't make any sense to Philip. I mean, he was probably thinking, here I am, I'm, I'm in a city, I'm, I'm in a good place, I'm, I'm doing good ministry, we're seeing people become Christians, right, they're having this spiritual explosion, like thousands of people are meeting Jesus, and then God comes in the form of an angel and says, hey, Philip, leave. How many of you would be like, wait, I heard, you know, leave? I mean, probably, Philip was thinking like, oh. People are meeting Jesus like, this is really good. Why would I go to the middle of nowhere? Guys, you don't want to know why? There was one person there that God loved. There's one person there that God needed to rescue. And I hope that you see how beautiful this is. Guys, that God loves one person enough that he puts together this entire plan to go to that one person And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't know Jesus, you need to know that you're one of those people that Jesus loves so much, that he's been preparing and pursuing you because he loves you and he wants to bring you into the family of God and he wants to bring his rescue to you. You're one of those people that he's been pursuing. And for those of you who are Christians here, because I just want you to see this, all right? Philip's presence on this road, it reveals something significant about the call of the gospel in the life of a Christian. Because hear this, Christian, if you truly embrace the gospel and you are determined to follow after Jesus, you may find yourself going to places that you never thought you'd go. You may find yourself doing things that you never thought you would do. Because obedience to the gospel oftentimes requires us to obey in unexpected ways. And as we look at Philip, this angel shows up and without giving any explanation, he just tells him to go south, go to the middle of nowhere. And Philip, we don't, we don't see him arguing. We don't have any reason to expect and suspect that he was like wrestling with God or anything like that. But he just kind of says, okay. And, and in this, we get like this, this beautiful, like the proper perspective of a Christian that every time God shows up, whether it be through his words or through prayer, the Holy Spirit speaks. Like every time God speaks to us as a Christian, our response is anything, anytime, anywhere. Because this is like the response of a spirit-filled person. And here's what I love, because I love this. I love our church. I love my view from up here, because there's so many people here today that are like this, and they're sitting in this room. If you're new, like we've existed for almost a year and a half, there's some... people in this room that uprooted their entire lives and moved from Iowa or Ohio or somewhere around the world to come help us start a church here in Madison. And it didn't make any sense. Some of your parents thought you were insane, right? Some of you, you quit jobs to come here to work at High V but you just felt like it didn't make sense to anybody. It didn't even really make sense to you, but you felt like God was saying, you need to go to Madison and you didn't know why. But then you show up here and you get the great blessing of seeing God use you. And you've seen people come to know Jesus and it all comes, it's, it's worth it. Some of you guys, some of you guys have, have started relationships with people in our city that are of no benefit to you you've met poor and afflicted people and you felt like God was saying, talk to them, give to them. And it made no sense for your financial portfolio. It didn't make any sense for your friend group, but you were like, God said, go and to love this person and talk to this person and you're giving of your life, you're giving of your time, you're giving of your money and it doesn't make sense. People are like, why are you doing it? And then you see how God uses this for his rescue to come to people. And when this all happens, guys, Isaiah 55 begins to make sense where God says, My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. But my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That God sometimes speaks and asks us to do unexpected and unexplained things. And when we follow him, guys, great blessing comes. Philip listened to God and he said, Yes. He said, Okay, God, you got, you got one guy that you love. I'll go. And as he put his yes on the table, God was using this in preparation for a person that he loves to receive the rescue of God. So let me just ask you this, Daxa. Are you willing to go for one person? Are you willing to give yourself and your time for one person? Because this is what God might be asking of you. That God doesn't call all of us to sell everything we have and to move overseas or to go into full-time ministry or become a traveling evangelist. But God oftentimes asks us to pursue in love one person, loving them, speaking to them about Jesus. And this is what he does with Philip. And Philip is just willing. He's willing. And the one guy that God loves and sends Philip to is this man who's an Ethiopian eunuch, the third character that we meet. And here's what you need to know about this eunuch, okay? I'm not gonna get out like a diagram or anything and explain to you what a eunuch is, but guys, how do you become a eunuch? Ouch, right? Right? squirming a little bit? Like the vasectomy sounds pretty good at this point, right? That's weird, I'm sorry. (laughs) But you get castrated. This is what a eunuch is. I'm so sorry for talking about vasectomies from the States. (laughs) But guys, this came along with the job description that this guy had. You know, some of you thought your job was terrible, right? And you sit in your cubicle and you're like, my job is the worst job in the world. I just You're welcome for reminding you of the eunuch. So this week when your boss is yelling at you, you're like, my job, this cubicle looks beautiful right now, right? But this man was a servant to the queen of Ethiopia. I'm so distracted by that. Anyway. But since he was around the queen and in her harem, in order to ensure their safety, all right, these men would be castrated, all right? So they wouldn't be tempted to pursue these, the queen or her harem in a sexual way. But here's what I want you to see about, about this man, all right? God was preparing him for a rescue, even before he knew and loved God. I mean, consider this, guys, this, this Ethiopian man has apparently heard, I mean, he's in Ethiopia, which is considered like the edge of the world. He's apparently heard of this like Hebrew God, and his people that are in Jerusalem. And for some reason, he's got this idea, I need to get to Jerusalem, that I hear that there's this God that's doing something amazing there, and I need to go investigate this if I really want to find this God that I'm seeking after. And so he's taking this trip. He's traveling like upwards of 1,000 miles, like up to four to six months in a chariot. He's on the road going to Jerusalem. He's, he's seeking hard after answers. Furthermore, it says that he somehow has a copy of the scriptures. He's reading them. He doesn't understand them, but he's, he's reading them. And, and we know that he had to go through great lengths to get this because Gutenberg like, didn't exist yet. like The printing press wasn't there. And so he had to invest a significant amount of money to get the scriptures. And so he had them, but he was reading them. He didn't understand it. This guy is seeking to know God. He hears about him. He wants to know, but he just doesn't know him. But God, listen to this, God is preparing him. He's preparing him to meet him. And maybe this is you this morning. Are you here looking for God? Is that why you're here? This was me for years. Because I remember as a a little kid, my dad would take me to Colorado every summer and we would climb mountains and we'd be at the summits of these different mountains every summer. And I'm just like this little kid having like this existential moment, right? And just being like, what is this? Like something had to have made this. And I had these thoughts of, God, I remember this is where it started for me. I just had these thoughts of, like, is there something bigger than me? Never heard about Jesus. Never even really saw a Bible. On my journey, I, I met certain Christians. People that I would see and teammates that I had, coaches that I had, that I would look at them and I'd be like, I don't know what's going on with them. They have a level of joy. They have a perspective on life. They have something that I want, but I just like, I didn't know how to do it. So I, I would try and white-knuckle it, but just couldn't get there. Like, what do they have? Started going to church, started popping in the Bible studies in locker rooms and like trying to figure it out and figuring out who is this God? Like, I, there's gotta be answers. I had a Bible that I would try and read every now and again, but had no idea what it meant for years, years God was preparing my heart to be open enough to receive Jesus. But this Ethiopian guy's heart is opening up to God. He's thinking, I've got to get to Jerusalem so I can worship God. And even though he's not a Christian, he's looking for God. And let me just say this, guys. If, if you're here and you're not a Christian, this is you. That you're, you're here. You, you've decided to make a trip to find God at the Sheridan Hotel. A little bit different to, than Jerusalem, but still works, Right? You've invested time and energy, and you've made a trip. You've come a distance, and you're here. You're here with God's people. We're worshiping and praising God. We're hearing about Jesus. We love you. We're glad that you're here. It's an honor. My highest honor is to teach you the Bible. I love that you're here. This is the Ethiopian man here. God is, is moving in his life. He's preparing him for a rescue. So you have the angel. You have Philip. You have this Ethiopian And the fourth character that we see is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is who we have been talking a lot about throughout our study of Acts. He's the third member of the Trinity, right? That we see this picture of God progressively revealed through the Bible that we have one God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, And the Holy Spirit is is really just the gift of the indwelling presence of God to someone who has come to Jesus in faith. The Bible talks about when we come to Jesus and put our faith in him, that God gives us himself through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to seal us to the day of salvation, to encourage us, to guide us, to comfort us, to teach us. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to live for, like, and with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit empowers us and leads the Christian to live for the glory of God. And this includes leading us and enabling us to to live in the likeness of Jesus. But I want you to hear this. It also includes leading us towards the people around us who don't know Jesus, but God loves them. This is what's going on here. And so the Holy Spirit leads Philip to this Ethiopian man. But with all of this, guys, here's what I want you to know. There's no coincidences in life. There's just none. The preparation for the rescue of God involves so many things, so many people, so many situations in every single one of our lives that come together for our good. Guys, God is pursuing you. I talked to an old teammate not too long ago. There's a friend of mine. He called me after years of not even talking to him and knowing what he's up to. I see him on social media occasionally. And he called me to tell me that he had become a Christian and just wanted to thank me. And I really, I wouldn't consider myself of having done anything like in his life to like make him a Christian. But he called me and was talking to me. And he said, I've traveled all over the world and all over this country with different jobs. And every place that I went, I met something or something happened that I was reminded of the gospel, that I was taught the gospel, that somebody shared Jesus with me. And as he reflected back on that, he, he saw how God had just been preparing him for the last like seven or eight years to meet Jesus. And I was just like, okay, cool. I'm super glad you called me. And he was like, and you, you didn't say anything, but you were one of the most jacked up dudes I have ever met. And I saw you meet Jesus and you're never the same. What happened? And as he reflected back on his life, he met people like me who were just pathetic excuses for men, womenizers, druggies, and he watched the power of God sweep through people's life. He heard the message of God through the gospel of Jesus. And after years, he realized that God had been preparing him to come to himself. There's no coincidences, Guys, if you don't know Jesus, I want you to know that today is just another divine moment in your journey where God is pursuing you and preparing you for his rescue. That God loves you and he's going through great lengths to help you see that today. That is ultimately why you're here. So that's the preparation for the rescue. Now look back to verse 29. Here's what we see with Philip's presentation of the rescue. Verse 29, and the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. And so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before its shearers is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe this gener- his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. So here's what's happening. Here's what's happened, okay? The, the Ethiopian man, he travels for, for months to, to get to Jerusalem to find this God that he's seeking after. He finally arrives and he tries to go into the temple to worship. But because of Jewish law that you would find in Leviticus 21 and Deuteronomy 23, he was likely not permitted to go into the temple to worship with God's people because not only was he a Gentile, meaning he wasn't a Jew, but the law of the Jews at the time said that eunuchs can't enter the temple. And so you have this guy, like he's traveled to search for God and he shows up, he's like, there they are, there's God's people, there's the temple, you can't come in here. And so he's stuck outside of the temple, likely having to observe from a distance. And in short, we we see that this man is, he's likely treated as an outcast, like a religious outsider, someone who could not be welcomed into God's family, God's presence. He didn't look like a Jew as he was presumably a black African. He was a eunuch. He didn't have the right background, the right heritage, the right language. And so you can imagine that this guy is just like, Super bummed out. Right? I remember I I had a friend who was some of you guys that are maybe older. Eddie Money. Do you guys remember Eddie Money? Okay, so Eddie Money, I had a friend that like loved him and then finally met him, and Eddie Money was like really right? he was really mean to him. <laughs> and he was just like, that was like the biggest letdown of my life, right? That's probably what this guy is feeling. Like I I showed up here to meet with God and now I'm denied access. Super bummed out. He couldn't be welcomed in. And so he probably turns to his guys and said, okay, like, I guess this was just like a waste of a couple months. Like, let's just load up the caravan and let's, let's head back. And so they head back and they're traveling away from Jerusalem. And this is where Philip, being led by an angel and by the spirit to the middle of nowhere, runs into this guy. And as Philip is walking down this desert road, not, not knowing why he's there, The Spirit says, there's the guy. Go get him. Go love him. And Philip's a a godly man, but he's not a perfect man. So likely he's probably had the thoughts in his head like, wait, that guy? Like, there's no way. He doesn't look like me. Like, he's he's, he's an African. Like, oh, wait, he's a eunuch. He doesn't speak, like that guy, there's no way that that guy would ever care about God. There's no way that that guy could come to God. But like, he's a, he's a spirit-filled guy, right? He loves Jesus. He's, he's being led by the Spirit. Surely he's hearing Jesus' words play in his head and he's reminded of the love of God for all people and that no one is too far from the kingdom of God. No one is beyond God's reach to rescue and to save. He loves everyone and can save anyone. And guys, that is true for you today that maybe you're sitting here and this is like new to you. This is a whole new experience, like coming to church and being in a new place like this. And you're thinking, I am way different than these people. I don't fit in here. Like I I don't speak the same jargon that they speak. That's not the voice of God. Guys, I want you to know there's room for you in Jesus's family. And he died and he rose to prove that to you. And so Philip goes and he doesn't just go, but look back at the text because he he runs. (laughs) He's so full of spirit. He loves this guy. He doesn't even know him. He runs after him. And as he gets there, he hears this guy reading Isaiah 53, which is weird to us, but it's not weird back then because they read out loud in this time. But he's reading Isaiah in this, this part of Isaiah, in, verse, in chapter 53, which is probably the most famous Old Testament prophecy of Jesus, and in this section that the eunuch is reading, Isaiah is speaking about how a Messiah, how a Savior, would come and suffer and die for his people, and how this suffering would lead to salvation and the rescue of God for sinful people who are separated from him. And as this eunuch is, is reading this, he's, he's hearing it, he wants it, like he, he, he's like, this is like a great story. Like, I, I, this, who, who is this? Like, who is, who is this guy? He's never heard about Jesus, as we see in verse 34. And so Philip, he's running alongside this chariot and he asks the eunuch, do you know what you're reading? And the eunuch says, no, like, how can I unless someone tells me? And so he pulls over the chariot, he invites Philip to come up and Philip sits there with this man. Verse 35, look, Philip shares the good news of Jesus. And I want you to see the way, guys, that that Philip presents the gospel to this man. That he met this guy where he was at. You hear that? He met him where he was at. He answered his question and he got to Jesus as quickly as he could. And here's what I'll tell you, guys. When God intersects your life with someone who needs Jesus you can talk about all types of spiritual things. You can flex your theological muscles and start talking about the doctrine of creation and whether or not you're blah, blah, blah. Above everything, Jesus. We get to Jesus as quickly as possible because what the apostle Paul says in Romans 1 16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus. Why? It's the power of God to save all who believe. And so look back to verse 35. Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, this scripture, he told him the good news of Jesus. So let me ask you this, if you're a Christian, are you able to do that? To start with a given passage and bring it to Jesus? I mean, Isaiah 53 is an easy one, but how about like the genealogies in the Bible? How about like Revelation or, or Genesis? Can you, can you begin with those scriptures and, and share the good news of Jesus? And I want you to know that, guys, this can be done because the Bible from beginning to end is all about Jesus. Every page of every chapter of every book of the Bible, it screams out Jesus. And the presentation of God's rescue, it needs to be and is always about Jesus. Philip knew this, and God used it to save this eunuch. And guys, I'll say this, I really believe that every single Christian should strive to be saturated in the Bible, to be proficient in the scriptures so that we too, when we can meet people, when God divinely intersects our lives with someone who has spiritual questions that he's been preparing, that we can answer them and quickly get to Jesus, the power to save. That's why we talk so much about the Bible, right? We want to be a Bible-saturated church that if you prick us, we bleed Bible, like the Bible's all about Jesus. We, we need to know. You know, just this past week, I was, I was preparing this message and I was at the gym one morning and I was praying. I was like, God, it would be awesome if you would just give me like a, a cool story. Like bring a eunuch into the gym right now. That let me just like share the gospel with him. Like I, I really need that sermon illustration, right? And I tried to force it with a guy and he was just not having it, right? But I'm sitting there in a coffee shop I got my Bible open, and I'm just prepping for this sermon. This woman comes up to me, and she's like, I've seen you in here a lot. I hear you're a pastor. What is that book all about? No joke. No joke. She said, what do you believe? And starting with the scripture, went straight to Jesus. Jesus. because we've got to be able to do this. It's it's all about Jesus. The Bible points us to Jesus. Presentation of God's rescue always is centered on Jesus. So I'm getting out of time here, but let me wrap up with this. Verse 36 through 39, the the eunuch's response, right? So we see the the preparation of the rescue, the presentation for the rescue, and now the response, verse 36. Verse 36. And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized them. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way, rejoicing. Because the eunuch's heart had been so well prepared by God to receive this gospel, to receive this rescue, that it almost seems like he believed immediately. And then he just asked to be baptized. And if you notice in your Bible, because if you were paying attention, like your Bible likely goes from verse 36 to verse 38, right? Here's what's going on. Okay. Verse 37 is likely at the bottom of your Bible in like a footnote. And it says this, and Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may get baptized. And he replied, I believe that Jesus is the son of God. But here's why it's down there, guys. In the oldest, most reliable manuscripts that we have, they, they don't contain verse 37, and so it should be omitted from the Bible. But still, something like this confession must have happened in order for Philip to, to baptize this eunuch. All right, And as he was baptized, he confessed his faith personally, believing Jesus for the rescue of God, that Jesus is the one that takes his sin. He believed this, he confessed this, and by his baptism, he, he proclaimed it openly in front of his entire entourage that was traveling. This is what baptism was all about. It's like a wedding ring. It doesn't save us, but it shows you that I'm married. This is what baptism does. It doesn't save us, but it shows everybody I'm following Jesus. I'm with that guy. But this eunuch's response to the gospel of the rescue of God has has really essentially three parts. He, He confesses that Jesus is his salvation. He obeys Jesus in baptism, and then he went on rejoicing, as we see in verse 39. And I want you to look at this, guys. When it says he went on rejoicing. He, he did this. He was rejoicing because he finally understood the love of God and he experienced the rescue of God from sin. Some of you today will leave here rejoicing. Maybe for the first time truly as you put your faith in Jesus because your whole life, your whole eternity, your sin has been taken and you're in the family of God. But this eunuch, as he went back to Ethiopia, guys, here's what happened. Listen to this. This was actually like a fulfillment of prophecy. If you go a couple chapters forward in Isaiah, in Isaiah 56, it says that the kingdom of God will come with power and that even eunuchs will be saved. And so this is a fulfillment of of prophecy that God can save everybody, anyone. In addition to that, like in Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you're gonna be my witnesses, right? To, to go to Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Guys, Ethiopia in this time was considered the edge of the world. This is an instant where Jesus's words are coming true that the gospel is going to the ends of the earth. It's happening. And as he goes back to Ethiopia, guys, we, we don't ever hear about this guy again in the Bible, but there's an early church historian and early church father named Irenaeus. And in the second century, he writes that this Ethiopian went back rejoicing to Ethiopia, takes the gospel there and becomes a gospel missionary and spreads the gospel to the Ethiopian people. Because listen to this, God prepared a rescue for this man. And this man came to Jesus. He took this message of the rescue of God back to his home country and it just kept going. The gospel just kept going. Because this is how the gospel will reach the ends of the earth. It's not by us having like a really compelling church service and you know, hip pastors and, and all that stuff, right? It's just nothing about that. It's about you, God's people, Phillips, sitting here, going into the everyday stuff of life, empowered by the Spirit, walking with God with the gospel on your tongue and love in your heart that when you meet people, you love them like Jesus did, you see them like Jesus did, you speak to them like Jesus did, and you prepare, God's preparing you to deliver the rescue of God by the gospel. This is how the gospel spreads and people come to the family of God. And so let me just end with saying this, guys. God uses people to save people. Okay, God saves people. If you want to boil Christianity down, here's one way to do it. God saves sinners, right? He saves This is the big idea of the Bible. This is the the big idea of here in Acts, that God rescues us by the saving work of Jesus. And through faith, we not only receive the rescue of God, but we receive the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to continue what Jesus started, seeing other people meet Jesus for rescue. And I want you to know that this is what God has. Christian, this is what God has for your life, to be like Philip, filled with the Holy Spirit and walking with him following his guidance in your life to go to the people around you so they can receive what you have. And so my question for you, Christian, is who's in front of you? Who's in front of you? God put this Ethiopian right in front of Philip. Who is it in your life? A friend, a family member, a coworker, a neighbor. Who is it that God is preparing right now that if you would just go by the power and the presence and the guidance of the spirit and open your mouth and speak about Jesus that they would come into the family? Who's in front of you? And for those of you that don't know Jesus, the question for you is what will you do with Jesus today? You gonna accept this rescue or reject it? This is just another step In God pursuing you, he's brought you here today to experience and to hear of the rescue of God, that you can step into it and grab hold of it. And I pray that you don't leave here without talking to somebody, how do I do it? How do I do that? So this is what I believe that God has for us. Now, here's what I love about today, guys. We get to see this passage actually lived out in somebody in our church. All right, we're gonna gonna listen and meet somebody that has put their yes on the table and is following God. And so Mitchell, I don't know where you're at. Mitchell, can you, can you come up here? You guys don't know why you're clapping for him, but you can clap for him.